You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Salon Sleuth fans. We started this podcast right before the COVID stay-at-home order, so we've had to move our recordings remotely and separately. We apologize for the sound quality, but we're doing our part to keep everybody safe. We hope you enjoy today's topics and continue to listen. Welcome, Salon Sleuths. We're excited to say we've been doing this uh, two weeks right before the stay-at-home order for the coronavirus. And we just want to thank you all because we've already had 341 downloads. Woo-hoo! time. I know, right? Yay! And um, our subscribers are getting there. We, we needed a few more people to hit subscribe button. We have our first patron. Thank you, Greg, so much for your contribution. We really want to keep being, being able to do this. And we've had to buy some equipment and obviously our time. So we would love for people to also go to Patreon and, you know, donate $5, $10, whatever you can afford to keep us doing this and bringing you stories. So today we are going to go over a 30-year-old cold case of the missing bridesmaid. And this actually happened in near Astoria, Oregon, on the coast. And I had never heard of it before, Leslie, but it's called Napa. Have you heard of this town before? No, not in Oregon. Okay, yeah. It's it's very close to Warrenton, um, and most people refer to it as the Astoria area. But it's really a small little blurb on the map called Napa, K-N-A-P-P-A. And kind of a cool thing about this little area Um, which also makes it um, part of the mystery, is that it's on the coast. And here at the Oregon coast, if if anybody is familiar, most of our coastline is sand or rock or cliff, right? But in this area, it's where Astoria meets a river that comes into downtown Portland and the suburbs through there. And this area gets water called watershed um they've also called it other things but water comes in there 
and then also kind of recedes with the ocean. So there's a lot of these little, just these little inlets. When you look on the map, you're like, oh my gosh, there's tons of water. So it kind of makes sense to me why this has been such an issue of a missing case. But let's, let's start back here. So in 1990, on February 10th, so it was right before Valentine's Day, Martha LaVon Evans, who she went by Marty, she is in her friend's wedding. She's 33 years old, and she's about 5'3", five, 5'4". Five, she's about 110, 115 pounds, brown, shoulder-length hair, brown eyes. She's actually the second oldest of eight siblings. So throughout this story, when I was researching and everything, I was hearing all about, you know, brother, sister, brother, sister. And I'm like, what is going on? And finally, after multiple, multiple pieces on this, I realized, oh, she has eight. She's, she's one of eight. So big family in this little town of Napa. As for scars, she has an appendix scar and she has a hysterectomy scar. She has a tattoo tiger over her appendix scar and the tiger is kind of clawing and touching her hysterectomy scar which actually kind of sounds cool I'd like to see a picture of it but that I did not find and then on her left rear shoulder she has seven roses with a banner that says daddy on it and then on her right ankle she has a dragon with the name Perry on it so she is well marked at this point um she is wearing a black backless bridesmaid dress that her sister made and she's in her best friend's wedding so kind of back up the whole day had bed wedding things and wedding activities she has two kids she has uh one at the time 10 year old named Andrew, who was with grandma at the time, which is her mother. And then she has a 12 year old little girl with her ex-husband that is also living in the area. She'd moved recently moved back from Ashland, Oregon, and she had been working up until about that point at a local Fred Meyer in Astoria. And she had just left Fred Meyer about a week and a half before she went missing. So on February 10th, she's the bridesmaid and she's actually driving a borrowed Ford Ranger pickup in the evening. Uh, it's a 1984 and the license plate is P as in Paul, N as in Nancy, B as in boy, 116. And the wedding had been at the Lutheran Church in Napa. And then the reception was at the parents' house, at the bride's parents' house on Bagley Lane. And when the evening came around, everybody from the wedding party decided to go to the logger in Napa, which I also see being called the high climber room. And I actually Googled it. It looks like it's currently the logger and maybe back, you know, 30 years ago, it was called the high climber room throughout the night. Twice. She makes phone calls once between the wedding and the reception. She goes back to her mother's house, which is an important part of the story because she grabs 
$4. Some people say five, but her mother, from her own mother's words, it was $4 she borrows from her for gas is what she says. She, at the time, her son is there, says hi to everybody, but she gets on the phone and she calls her boyfriend which is a local drug dealer in town and he still works at the Fred Meyer. That's where they met. But she proceeds to be crying because she's upset. He doesn't want to see her and she's kind of begging him that she wants to see him that night. And he, for whatever reason is not about this. So she borrows the $4. She goes on, to the reception and then out with her friends at the logger. It turns out that her purse is also, we find out later, in the sister's back trunk car. So she doesn't even have her purse. So she literally has $4, Leslie. That's it. She's at the logger and people there, her friends there, say that she ends up calling her ex-husband that night on the phone. And she also calls her boyfriend again, kind of pleading with him that she wants to see him. And again, his answer is no. She's visibly upset. People try to convince her to stay, but she's insistent on going out. And she says that she needs to go to Warrenton for a quick trip and then she's going to come back. Well, so she heads out towards the Astoria direction in this borrowed truck and she stops at the D&D market. So it's like a gas station market. You know, there's lots of them on the, on the coast. And again, remember, she has no purse, but she has $4 and she buys $3 in gas and a soda. And some reports say that she has a guy in her car and we'll kind of get to that, but her car does not work either. So her brother comes and he jumps the car. Now this is one of her, remember, seven siblings. He jumps the car and he gets her going again. Now the part that I'm a little confused is, is were there two gas stations? Because then there's this gas station attendant slash market worker that says that there was a guy in the passenger seat. The brother never mentions this. So either there were two different gas stations that she stopped at or, um, just one. I'm very unsure about that. And without reaching out to the family, I don't exactly know the answer to that. But the worker at the market later goes on to say, yes, I saw this man. Yes, I know what he looks like. Um, the family doing their own research, they show the guy a um, high school yearbook and says, you know, is the guy on this list? And they point to the, she, the, the worker points to the gentleman that is there, that was in the car. They know exactly who that is, and the police never follow up. In fact, the police say, yeah, that worker at the market doesn't exist. They've never had a Tony that works there. So we'll get into that part. But she was a pretty happy-go-lucky person, apparently, but she was a fighter, and she did, you know, do drugs and that kind of thing. Um, but she was a good person. And, and in most accounts, she was a great mother. Um, but she did like to let loose and, and kind of have some fun. But her mother says she would have never left her kids. Now, part of the story comes out that on Monday, she was actually planning to 
go to meet a lawyer to talk with a lawyer about getting custody and visitation rights of her daughter that is living with her ex-husband. So on Sunday after the wedding, the family is like, well, where'd she go? This is kind of crappy of her, you know, kind of irritated at her that she never showed up. And the mom's worried because the mom's like, you know, she wouldn't have left her son. This is weird. She would have come home. And so by Monday, they were really worried and they did go to the police. And the police literally said, she's 32 years old. She can do what she wants. We're not going to investigate this. So the family kind of takes this on for a few days And um, by all accounts, the boyfriend won't even admit to talking to her. But apparently, he says that. And in the same token, I found information that said he he showed up at the wedding earlier in the day unannounced. He acted very strange. And she was apparently very concerned that he was there and didn't like him being there. And by most of her friend's account that day, she was acting extremely nervous, extremely odd. She'd apparently lost 10 pounds in um, like the last two weeks of her life or uh, of her existence before she went missing. And people were like, she looked really thin and she just didn't seem like herself. Um, So there was a lot of question about what was going on with her life. Her family says that her ex had actually threatened her And there was certainly something wrong with her. Her ex's name is Rich Evans, and he was actually friends with a local DA named Steve Gertella in town. So that kind of becomes more interesting as she's more and more days go on and she's been missing and the police do not seem to want to look for her. So she had been drinking um, and... She was certainly nervous and acting peculiar. Apparently during the actual ceremony, her flowers were kind of shaking, people said. But people were were still extremely worried about her, thinking that maybe there was some foul play. Here is where the whole thing just, for me, kind of falls off into suspicion. So there's several things that went on and several different um, criterias or, or suspicions of what could have happened, Leslie. One is a now deceased family friend had confessed on his deathbed to burying Evans and the truck in the city of Astoria's watersheds. The man had a sketchy past and he bragged about this, having done this. The watersheds around this Napa City town, really, there are so many that it would be impossible probably to excavate all of these areas. And they've also been, in the last 30 years, they've also been, um, I guess, reformed. I can't remember what they, the word they used for it, but kind of excavated as well. And the banks, the, the middle are very deep. And so the sides have been kind of pushed off to the, the dirt has kind of mud has kind of been pushed off to the sides. So some suspect that even if 
the truck had been in there, that it actually could have been pushed over to the side and kind of filled with mud. But the, the police continued to say, hey, there's no evidence that she didn't just run away and doesn't want to be found. But Evan's family members says that that's not the case. She wouldn't have done that. Years after this happened, they say that they received hundreds of phone calls in the middle of the night where the caller wouldn't speak, but they could hear faint noises in the background that sounded like crying. And Rhonda, her oldest sister, she's she's the number two, so Rhonda's the oldest, thought that she heard somebody in the background saying, help me, of one of these phone calls. And two years after her disappearance, local police got an anonymous call saying that she and the truck had been taken out a few miles off the coast and dumped off a huge crab boat. Now, an interesting fact about her ex-husband, he and his friends were partners in a huge fishing boat back then. There is also rumors that she had befriended a local drug dealer before her disappearance. And that, I think, is in tandem with, you know, the someone saying they saw a man in the car and that her boyfriend himself was a local drug dealer. So there's a lot of suspicion around the people that she hung out with. But a a local drug dealer um, also was later accused of taking down the missing posters um, and allegedly telling people that she wasn't missing. There's a lot of suspicion around this, and it just keeps getting worse. So after this gas attendant, Tony, comes forward and says, hey, you know, I saw her. I saw a man with her the night she disappeared. Um, The police say that they investigate this, and they say this person doesn't exist. This person never worked at this market, which is a station near the roundabout. It just keeps getting muddier and muddier for me, but... The family says that they went down there and talked to this man several times behind this counter. So they know this Tony had worked there. On the same night as all this is going on and she goes missing, there was a large drug bust that occurred. And some of her acquaintances were there. And the police were in charge of this drug bust. But no one says she was there. Nobody can can claim that they ever saw her there or anything. But this is also sort of swirling around in my mind is, okay, a lot of suspicious things here. Okay, so fast forward a little bit, and the family hires a PI. His name was Bud. The PI tells him that he thought he knew where she was. And the night he spoke with police, the PI died, said he had a heart attack, but he was cremated before an autopsy could be done. What are the odds of this? He tells the family he thinks he knows where she is. He talks with police and then he dies? That night, another suspect, the neighbor's nephew, was convicted of a murder a few years after Evans was, was, was went missing. And she was known to have picked him up several times and, you know, kind of he could be hitchhiking or walking or whatever, and she'd pick him up. She was extremely friendly. She was not beyond hitchhiking herself. So, you know, it's a small town, tiny little town. 
of course, you know, you just pick people up and take them into town or whatever. So that was also another suspect that was kind of on the radar. But she also had kind of a man who admired, uh, kind of a secret admirer, but maybe not so secret, um, that really was in love with her, he says. And that was a tattoo artist out of uh, out of Tacoma, Washington. And he would sometimes send her money. And his name was Pierre Zeberg. And he apparently had done her tattoos. So I'm not exactly sure what kind of relationship they had, but he was certainly um, another one of those suspicious people in her life that, you know, the family was like, look, she had a lot of people around her and a lot of people that maybe lived a little bit of a shady life and, you know, really wanted to have investigated. Now, the reason why I found this case so interesting is I found this local set of guys at a bend and they have started a YouTube channel. Their name is Adventures with a Purpose. And they actually go around pulling cars out of rivers, lakes, bodies of water. And some of these things have stories. And they're doing it to clean up the environment, get these cars out of rivers and polluting and, you know, leaking gas, leaking oil, all this kind of thing. But they did a YouTube video. They went to Napa. They met with the older sister, Rhonda, and they did an episode looking through some of these watersheds, in particular one area. And unfortunately, this happened in March as well, right before the COVID situation. So they actually were going to come and do another show there, and they too have been sort of grounded and not been able to go back out because everybody here in Oregon, uh, we're doing a stay in place and we're doing a good job of flattening the curve. But, but they are doing that to help that family, not just for the environment. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And we need to meet those people. Yes, I know. They actually have helped solve a missing person case in another state. So they actually are, are wanting to go all around you know, the, the country and do this kind of work. But I, I watched that video and I was like, Oh, we need to do a story on this gal because I feel like she has been forgotten. I cannot imagine 30 years and the police still really have never searched for her. They've never done their due diligence that I can find anywhere. And I don't understand that. And so I'm, I'm very thankful for Adventures with a Purpose that they actually did search a stretch of these watersheds. But when I looked on the map, because I was like, well, you know, how much can there be? And I looked on the map and I was like, oh, my gosh, it, there, it's just the whole town of Napa is just flooded with these watersheds. And then when you think about, you know, the other rumors of it, about her being taken, you know, miles off the coast and dumped off a boat and all that, it's like, okay, well, how do you start there? What do you think about that? Like, do you even, does your head just spinning about her case and like where well, she Well, I'm went? curious. Why was she trying to reach out to everybody that night? Like, it sounded like she called a few different people and then she called the wrong person. You know, again, this was 1990. She didn't have a cell phone. And so she had to call from places where she could, 
you know, dial out a pay phone or her mom's phone. But yeah, it just seems like maybe, maybe something was wrong. Maybe, um, I think she wanted somebody to hang out with that night after a a reception Yeah, and then just called the wrong person. Yeah. Or went to the wrong person's house. Yeah. And something went wrong. And then now it's a big mystery. Yeah. And you know, her family, one of the suspicions and why the adventures with a purpose were out there is they said, well, maybe she drove off because she had been drinking. Maybe she did get some drugs somewhere. Maybe she drove off into one of these watersheds and then the truck that has never been found. Maybe she and the truck went into one of these waterways. And their point is once that car is in and done bubbling up with, you know, air, no one would know it was there. Yeah. But the water goes in and retracts. But like, not that much. It's apparently okay. extremely deep. Okay. Like 30, 40 feet down. Okay. It said. So that's the part that, yeah, you know, I would think that too. But apparently they're very, very deep. I think, I think we're going to go out there with those guys and we're going to help if we can. Right? If they'll let us. Cool. Well, it's so interesting that you found this particular story because the story I'm going to talk about also has to do with water. And like the ocean and rivers and all this weird stuff. So it's really interesting that you would go there. I want to share with you one of my go-to pieces of clothing during this stay-at-home order. I have literally been living 24-7 in shorts or leggings and, of course, my favorite sports bra. I've been wearing this sports bra since it was created, but I wanted to share with our listeners and give you a discount code. I'm so excited. I only wear handful bras and that's handful.com because they are so comfortable and easy to wear. They also flatter, not flatten if you know what I mean. They come in adorable colors and patterns so you can wear them with anything. Through the summer, I'm always in a handful. My new favorite design of theirs is the double down bra, but I have all the styles and the leggings and I love their leggings. They're wonderful. So I wanted to share with you, go to handful.com and use the code salon sleuths. It's spelled S-A-L-O-N-S-L-E-U-T-H-S. You're going to get 25% off any one item on their entire site, including sale items. So I encourage you, check it out. You will literally not be sorry. The adjustable bra, for those of you who may be long torsoed or long or short, whatever, you can adjust it to where you fit. Love them, love them, love them. Get yourself one. Last week, we talked about angels and spirits. Yes. And then the middle story, which was Greg, the lawyer here in town, he got some information from a local psychic who she's extremely good. She has agreed to be interviewed by us. People that know her know that she's extremely hard to get into and she's very expensive, but she's very accurate and really good. The story I'm going to tell you is about all these shoes that have been washing up onto the Oregon shores and all the way up to Washington and Canada. As you know, the Willamette River is, it's about 122 miles all the way out into the ocean, right? So we have had, we have sea lions that come all the way up to our falls, 
which is around 130 miles that sea lions will come from the ocean all the way up to get the salmon at the waterfalls in, in Westland. What? Yes. And you know how it goes, the, it goes, it's the ocean, the Columbia, then, then it goes into the Willamette, right? Yeah. They've even had sharks in the Columbia, but not quite all the way to the Willamette. Right at that corner where it's Willamette hits the Columbia, sharks have gone in there, even though it's now going into fresh water. Okay, so stop yes. for a second. Okay. Stupid uh, people, lots of listeners are going to go, oh, you're so stupid. But seals can go from salt water to fresh water? Yes. Because I don't, they're not, they're, they breathe air. Oh. Right? So they're coming up to get the fish because they're hanging out by the fishermen at the waterfalls. Just in the, the Vancouver, British Columbia area, in the last like 15 years, 15 different shoes have washed up on the shores that had feet still attached to them <gasps> inside of it. So I was like looking into this and most of them, I wanted to say that most of them were um, the left or right foot. Um, it ends up being almost half and half. Just recently, probably, I think it was 2017, a man looking for cans found a bag in the dumpster at the Willamette River at that park right there, the Willamette Park. Yeah. And he was looking for cans. He opens it up and there's a shoe in there. Well, my God, there was a foot still stuck inside of it. But so I'm thinking, oh, my God, this guy was murdered, dismembered. They put it in different bags and all over town. But what they found inside that bag were also pieces of like things that you would find on a shore. So this person was just collecting garbage, threw it in the dumpster, not realizing there was a foot still stuck in it. And then this guy looking for cans happens to find the shoe that still had a foot stuck inside of it. No, yes. So there have been 15 feet in the Vancouver, British Columbia area, 15 different feet, shoes that had feet still stuck inside of them. I found two of the same. <laughs> yes, they did. Actually, they said about half. So, so nine of the feet, nine of the feet are identified. Five of them have not even been identified through DNA. Whoa. Nine of them are right feet. And two of them are unidentified left feet. So I thought, I thought, well, my God, maybe they're just dumping the left foot or the right foot. And I think yeah. both feet are in there. So I found that was really interesting. According to experts, they say that, of course, there's going to be a ton of people in the water. Like people drown, people fall off fishing boats. You know, there's been tsunamis, whatever. And then these are body parts that they say break off at the joints. And then because they're still in shoes, they're encased in something, which is like its own little coffin. And because shoes nowadays are a lot more buoyant, they ended up floating and uh, coming to shore. So I guess that kind of makes sense, right? But if we can remember, and this is going to sound really horrible, Peterson, Lacey Peterson. Yes. When she came to shore, she only had her torso. Her feet didn't show up. <gasps> it was her torso, right? So... Where are her shoes and her feet? Like, it's not, I find it very interesting that they're not finding other body parts. They're only finding these shoes, right? Yeah. So there's been a couple of people that, that have been identified. And, you know, some of them, and they just don't know what happened. Did they fall into the river? They don't really say. But I did reach out to a woman because it did show that her son was one of the identified ones. This happened in Everett, Washington on New Year's Day. Beach Boars oh found a foot still inside of a boot in the south end of Jetty Island in Everett, Washington on New Year's Day. 
And it turns out it belonged to Antonio Neal. Like he would be like the normal like jock kid. If you want to look up his picture or maybe I'll post it on our page. But he was 22 years old when he went missing in December 2016. I reached out to the mom. And at this time, she's not able to talk to us about the case, but it doesn't sound well. And let me just step back a little bit. It did say at one point that he had struggled with depression and drugs at one point. And I was like, okay, well, maybe that's it. Well, now it's an actual open investigation, which means leads me to believe that there's more to the story because the night that he went missing, there was an altercation at someone's house. And then now he's found, well, kind of found one of his feet was found. So, you know, that's all super shady. So I'm wondering, you know, they, they try to tell you these, these experts try to tell you, Oh, you know, things like this happen. Shoes show up with feet still inside of them. I just think that's a little odd. And I think it's really creepy because I just recently with the national charity league, we were doing the beach cleanup. Yeah. You have any shoes we found? Given there weren't any feet in them, I thank God, I hope not. But we did find a pair of tennis shoes, but I believe, and I just set them up on the shore because there were some surfers. I mean, it could have been theirs, right? Yeah. But it is interesting how many shoes had shown up. And I get it that maybe the soles are more buoyant. Maybe those are the ones that float back in. Actually, I didn't look inside of them. That would be really creepy. But then there was a time where people were... They were doing hoax and putting like chicken feet and stuff in them, trying to, and and that just creates more of work for people that are actually trying to solve cases and stuff. Well, that fills up our laboratories that are actually trying to find, you know, real people and stuff. That's not cool. But I find it really interesting that like other body parts aren't showing up. I get, I guess I understand the feet thing, especially if it's been years because some of these shoes, um, I mean, they sh- the shoes look pretty worn out. They've been floating around in water for years. Like, I think the first one I could find that was found is in 2007. Okay, if this is such a common thing, why weren't any before that? Well, you know why? Because they were made of leather. And leather is actually skin. So okay. You had it would break down. Were biodegradable. There are huge gaps between years. Of when these things were found. So like um, 2007, 2008, then you jump to 2011. And like there's these big years of like gaps in years. And they and they say that they find them up north towards British Columbia because that's where the currents are going. Yes. But how the hell did he get all the way up to the Willamette River? Just one shoe. If it wasn't something else. Like, I mean, I guess... Have they tested that shoe? Do we know who that is from? There's tons of missing people in Portland. Like, yeah, not yet. They so you said nine have been have been re- recovered to people and been identified. Have, yes, nine from British Columbia. So I was trying okay. to research how many have been here locally because in the the in that article that I found the 15 shoes and I will post this picture. It's from the coroner's office. Of those 15, none of those are here locally. So there's a whole other story here locally in Oregon. This is just British Columbia that I could find. And then when I started Googling, I think because of that newish, that new 2017 Willamette River foot was found, I would have to go and, and, you know, way down into Google and see if I can find some more stories that are here in town, you know, or you know what I mean? Cause right. everything comes up as like these newest one, newish ones. And especially the ones from the British Columbia, because then from the 2017 Willamette river one, then it's to 2016 of Neil 
the Neil Boy. Yes. And then beyond that, some of these people could have fallen in the rivers fishing or, you know, whatever, things like that. But I do believe not all of these are that way. And for unsolved cases like this really cute Antonio Neal kid, if there was something more to that, that family needs to know and things need to happen quickly. I never knew about this whole shoe thing. That is so bizarre. Isn't it weird? I'm surprised because you like this kind of stuff like I do. And I was super excited to talk about this. I heard about this a couple of years ago. Probably when the Willamette Riverfoot showed showed up is when I actually found out about it. I just didn't realize how many there actually are. Like one guy, you can look at the pictures. His whole bottom part of his leg is in it. The bone is like sticking out all the way to his knee. Who are these people that have been identified? Have they all been murdered? Were they missing? So they don't know. Like a couple of them when I found were older people. This guy supposedly the, the lower leg and foot were found inside of a black shoe. And it was found out to be Mr. Poor Stanley K. Okumoto. He was 79 when he went missing in September 2017. And then he was found by a gentleman walking his dog along the Jordan River. Oh, Kalama. That's Kalama. That's actually down Washington. Vancouver, yeah. Yeah, so he, that's where that leg was found, which is not funny. I don't know why I'm laughing no. out of nervousness because that's it's just really terrible. It's, incom- it's uncomfortable. And I, I kind of giggle when it gets uncomfortable too because that's just, <laughs> it's just a little. It wow. is just so weird. Well, that's why they say they never find, like, high heels or flip-flops with feet still in them. Yeah. Because the foot wouldn't stay in them. Well, and also the the animals would rip it apart and stuff. They can't get to it inside the shoe. There has been – it doesn't just happen on the West Coast. Apparently in Rio de Janeiro, a beach volleyball court right before the 2016 Olympics, uh, body (gasps) parts of um, tourists washed up on the beach – in Fiji. <laughs> oh. So it kind of happens everywhere. But, wow. you know, I think for a while they were worried that people thought they were like serial killers that were just like taking off feet. And um, so I do believe that some of them are just accidents. And I do think that other people, whether they're murdered and putting into the water and then their shoes are showing up. But I believe... Yeah. You know, everybody has a story and we just need to figure out, especially for this mother, for her particular one, like she believes that there's more to it. And obviously the the police or the sheriff's department also believes it if they've kept it into an open case. Wow. You know, and if his foot didn't show up, how sad is that when they, she would have never known. He would have just been gone forever. I do have a small update on Allison Watterson. Not exactly what I would love to be updating, but because of the stay-at-home order, um, they're not doing searches right now. Those have all been suspended. But they did find that one of the men um, that is a residence of one of the houses that is involved in this case was taking down the missing posters. Um, which was really upsetting to the family, and I can understand why. Apparently, he's just saying he's just tired of it, and he's tired of, I guess, being sort of affected by this and people stopping at his house and the like, and he just kind of wants it done. But unfortunately, I don't think that's the right way to go about it. Is this the same guy who he was sleeping in the truck? 
Yeah, it's the guy who found Ben in the truck. Don't you think that's kind of weird? Yes, I do. And he wants it to be done? Okay, I think the family would like that more so. Yeah, thank you. Why take down posters? Is it just on his property or all over town? All over town. Okay, that's even weirder. I can understand taking the signs down on your own property. Right. But taking them down around town. <laughs> Thank you. That's well, weird. I, I would think you wouldn't have signs at your property. Well, you wouldn't. But if you did, take them down if you're uncomfortable yeah. with it. And you want it to be, you don't want to be a part of that anymore. Exactly. But unfortunately, he is a part of it. Yes. And don't you have some, like, conscience to want to help find this girl? I just think somebody who wants it over with and done would be somebody who, yeah, you Weird. know, yeah, Weird. that's sad. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The shoe thing is still befuddling me too. So when you're walking along the beach or Willamette river or whatever, yeah. and you find shoes, you might want to look inside. I do not want to look inside. I do. I mean, could you imagine? <laughs> Hello, Slawn Sleuth fans. We want to thank you for listening. And in order to keep bringing you these stories, we need your support. You can hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star review. And also go to our SalonSleuths.com website. And as a patron, you'll have access to extra stories.